Tuning in now to the LBX Daily Show. Brought to you by the LBX Collective. Your community to connect, engage, and inspire. Now, let's get ready to roll. With your hosts, Christine Buer and Brandon Wiley. All right, all right. Hey, well, we're live. Um, and as you notice, it's just BW. It's just me. Uh, so Christine is actually out all day today. She has her regular EO forum meeting. And so it is just me. Um, and so she made it back just fine to Canada. So that's awesome. Uh, had a great time with her out here. And we recorded a ton of footage for one of our new podcasts and docu-series coming out in January. So uh, it will be a series that documents basically the whole progress of Christine and I developing a an entertainment venue of some kind. And so we'll we're, you know we've got about six episodes recorded now, and uh, you know they'll be they're in editing and, and in post right now. And then you know we'll continue to do those. And we got a lot of we're really very excited about that one. I think this was going to be pretty good. But anyway, it was great to have Christine here. <laughs> it was a little bit tight at the desk at times, but we we made it work. Anyway, uh, let's jump into it. I had the chance to watch Wonka over the weekend. And as soon as I saw that trailer, I absolutely knew that I wanted to watch this movie. I'm a big fan of the original, uh, also a fan of the other, the, the new one, Charlie and Chocolate Factory. But, you know, the original is really just so strong and so good. And the story behind it is also very, very well done. And this one was basically, although they say they're not necessarily connected, they are definitely connected in many different ways in mannerisms and uh, storyline and development and everything else. But, um, but it was basically the prequel before before the actual Willy Wonka movie, and like the pre prequel. But uh, Timothy Chalamet did a phenomenal job, and uh, you know the cinematography was great. Uh, I knew that there was going to be music as a part of it, but I didn't realize it was going to be basically a musical. So it definitely had a number of different songs and uh, you know, different things there. So this is uh, one of the first scenes where he's daydreaming. Uh, this is obviously a composite of a couple of things. And the reason I bring this up, because not just the fact that it was a great movie, had a great storyline about chasing your dreams and pursuing your dreams and, you know, making sure that they, you know, you don't give up on them and you try to, uh, you, you want to make sure that you, you know, in his mind, he wanted to have the greatest chocolate company in the world. And, you know, he ended up doing that ultimately. And uh, so not you know, the message was great, but from our context, from within the context of location-based entertainment, I thought that like, when his store first opens, and I'm not going to give away too much, but when the store first opens, it's just an extravagant store of experiences and you can go in and you can touch and you can taste and you, know, you can do all sorts of things. And he's got this really visual factory and this imaginative approach to creating candy. And I just think that like there's so much opportunity for us to surprised to delight our customers in, in interesting ways and to create a, such an immersive experiential uh, environment for our customers, either from a retail standpoint. I mean, this is one of the things that Camp has done really well. We've talked about Camp on the show in the past, and Camp does this phenomenal job of creating these retail experiences. So not only am I going to come in and buy Disney items or 
uh, you know, other, other types of items, I'm going to come in and I'm going to hang out there for an hour or two engaging with the brand and having those types of experiences. And I think we're going to continue to see more and more of that. And I would just say as, as like a pioneer of that, you know, Willy Wonka was one of those early pioneers, fictionally, of course, uh, one of those early pioneers in experiential retail and immersive experiences. So um, anyway, good job, Willie. Keep it up. And um, next time you want to send some of your candy my way, I'd be happy to try it out. All right. Next up, we have the Soto Museum and Main Street Arcade. So these guys just opened up in St. Charles, Missouri. And uh, the owner here, Tom Smith Jr., he told the Riverfront, the Riverfront Times that he's been collecting games and historical relics. I, I laugh because this is remarkable. Since he was 10 years old, he's been collecting games and um, you know replicas uh, and relics. And he wanted finally a place to display his collection. And let me tell you, his collection is unreal, unbelievable. So I'm going to go ahead and just throw this up on the stage here. Uh, they only have a Facebook page right now. They don't have a website. They did just open. You know me. I'm not going to go ahead and go on down a website rants at this point. But this museum is incredible. And like as somebody who used to collect Dr. Pepper memorabilia and bottles and still has a lot of those, like... That just the Dr. Pepper alone that I had was probably, I think, 20 different bottles from different ages and some other things was like I thought was pretty impressive for a little household collection. Dude, this guy is absolutely crazy. So I'm just going to go ahead and play a little a little footage from the soda museum so you can get a sense to see here, um, you know, what this is. We get to the bottle collection. It's unbelievable. Bottles on bottles on bottles. And it's cool though. He's really infused cafe and with it as well. So you can come to the museum. You can obviously see cafe, and it's not like I mean, it's very well presented. All the bottles are laid out here, all separated by you know, by the type of brand, and uh, you know it's really really well done. So I uh, just thought that this was pretty amazing. But now, not only did he have this crazy bottle collection, this crazy bottle collection, but he also had a, uh, he's created an arcade because he's, you know, gone and, um, you know, he's also collected a bunch of old arcade games. And so, you know, this arcade collection, we've seen better. Um, and that's really aggressive in the main music. But, uh, you know, he's got a bunch of literal arcade games. He's old arcade bars in the past, but I love how he put it down in the basement below his bottle museum. And, you know, again, it's a nice place to eat and have some food. And so you know, he's done a good job, I think, bringing together his favorites, you know, his things that are getting inside of his bowling um, one of pretty cool. Anyway, so just wanted to show you guys the cool things going on in St. Charles, Missouri. So good job to, uh, you know, good job to Joe for putting that together. So excuse me, not Joe, Tom Smith for putting that together. And, you know, they also have, again, as I mentioned, some some snacks and foodie type stuff there. All right. Wanted to also talk about Yo-Yo's Fun Center. And they opened their second location in Clinton Township, Clinton Township in Michigan. 
And, you know, basically, as you can see here in the picture, they have massive ball pits, multiple slides of all kinds, including a couple of drop slides, uh, a ninja course, trampolines, LED hallways, some really cool tube features for kids of all ages. Their big kids can run freely around the whole area, but they also have an area that's dedicated for young kids that basically has almost identical play features, but at a smaller scale that the older kids aren't allowed to be in. So it helps keep them safe. And so in addition to this play space, there's also an arcade game, there's a cafe, and the cafe has a full menu that you can actually have delivered to your table and, uh, you know, you can enjoy. So, you know, here's a couple of pictures. So as you can see, what I liked about this place is it's really brightly colored. It's very well done. It's not like some of your typical soft play places. Like, actually, like there's somewhat of a theme environment here and, and really focus on the small kids. I've seen smaller trampolines with the smaller hoops for the younger kids as well. And then here's what I really wanted to talk about was their pricing. So I thought this was interesting. You know, first of all, ignore the fact that there's two different prices that actually confuses things with Westland, frankly. Um, if you just take it Clinton Township and say it's $15 per child for a day, for, or excuse me, for two hours of play. And they're open from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. They bring in kids six months and up. I would say it probably maxes out at eight to 10 years old in that place. I don't think you're going to see many teens hanging out there, but um, six months and up, $15 per child for two hours of play. Okay. That seems fairly reasonable, but here's where I don't understand. And I, I, I'm, it goes, it could go one way or the other. First of all, either their daily, their two hour rate is too high or their, their unlimited rate is way too low. So when I look at this, I see an all week play $40 for, for basically any, any day of the week, anytime. And you can like come in and play all day long if you want for $40 a month per kid. And that's for you know, including weekends or you go $20 for Monday through Thursday, which is really good for those younger kids who haven't yet gone to school. So that's six months to five year range, probably. Um, I mean, if I had my kid and I was, and they were in that area, there's no question that I would have that $20 membership. Monday through Thursday, available anytime and for all day. So here's what I don't understand. Why in the hell if I'm a parent, would I ever pay that $15? I would just pay the $20. And like, you could say, okay, great. They're obviously driving the upsell to that monthly rate. It's on a subscription charge and everybody wants subscriptions. That MRR is amazing. Monthly recurring revenue is incredible. But what I don't understand is this could easily be twice this amount. It could be $40 for the weekday play and like $60 for all week play for the weekends or something like that. You could double that easily because the way I'm looking at it is if I'm a parent and I have a kid and we did this a lot when our kids were very young, we had regular memberships and we went to places on a weekly regular basis. There was like a cadence. And so I would bring my kid in, you know, to this place probably once a week and a $15 a pop every time I bring them in, then that's $60 a month consuming there's four weeks. So I'm already ready to pay $60 a month. But if I could pay $40, I'm going to save a little bit, but you're also going to make more um, on a recurring revenue stream. And then, then if it's $20 or $15 and I come in just twice a month or three times a month, I still feel like I've got some fair value. So I just think that they're really missing out here. Maybe I'm wrong and I'd love to get your thoughts in the Discord server. And this is where I'd love to have Christine's thoughts on this as well. And I'm sure she'll give me her thoughts if she's listened to this, uh, maybe put them out on the Discord server as well. But it just seems like we're miss that, that I'm missing something or they're missing some real revenue opportunities. I really do think that they could double their their or at least bump it to 30, right? So like if I only come twice a month, then 
I'm haven't lost any money. And if I come three times a month, now I've made money if I'm, you know, if I'm the consumer. So you could at least go 30 without any question. And, uh, and it would still be a great deal because I don't think they should lower their two hour costs below that $15. Now, again, I don't know the demographics of the area, but this just seems to me a lot missed opportunity. All right, enough on that. Um, okay. Round one. Round one. So round one is uh, a Japanese-based bowling and arcade venue. They call them round one. And it's so interesting to me anyway by the name because the whole logo is like a bowling logo. And I just don't understand because it really is not meant to be there is bowling in, in every round one. But it's like all about the arcade and all about the cranes. So the new location that's opening up actually just opened this last weekend in Glendale, Arizona. It's 82,000 square feet. And it has uh, eight bowling lanes. Again, the name is all about bowling, but yet it only has eight bowling lanes, four party karaoke rooms. Again, very popular with the Japanese market. And so they're trying out the karaoke rooms here, exclusive Japanese arcade games. And I've been in around one before. They do have exclusive games that you can't really find anywhere else. So they definitely have that. And then more than 100 crane and redemption games, batting cages, basketball courts, trampolines, and roller skating. And they also have uh, fast casual food. And we'll talk a little bit about the food here in a minute. Uh, but they have this other thing that they call, well, first, let me just show some pictures. Here's some of the bowling lanes, you know, pretty standard, straightforward, nothing fancy there. But here's the insanity that is their cranes. Um, and they aren't just your typical cranes. They're all branded round one almost entirely. And every single one of them has very custom plush. And a lot of it is plush that you can't get and other prices you can't get here. They're all very high quality, very well branded. And you'll see people like running around with tons of plush and different things that they've got from their cranes. And here's another angle with a number of cranes as well in this Glendale location. You know, here's some other games and that kind of thing. Um, but here's what I want to talk a little bit about. Like, okay, this is the first round one, at least that I'm aware of. That has uh, actually, it's not. It's technically like the fourth or fifth round one, but the first one that I've ever had a chance to really take a look at and take pictures and see. Um, but that has their thing that they're calling Spocha. So now it is round one bowling and arcade plus Spocha. So Spocha is their sports challenge. It's their what they call sports challenge, and their Spocha has basketball. It has batting cages. It has the roller rinks, as I mentioned. It has, in fact. All of these things here. So has mechanical bull, of course, because you need a mechanical bullet around one. It has hoverboards. Yes, you can ride hoverboards around on their roller skating rink. Um, free play arcade, batting cages, trampoline, uh, mini bowling. They have a whole kids play area as well. These little pocket bikes, roller rink. And, you know, you played soccer, dodgeball, billiards. The whole idea is that they're trying to be, you know, all you can play all sports indoors and play with your friends. And their pricing model is, you know, essentially uh, you can, well, you can buy for a full day up to 90 minutes or three hours, basically, for their Spocha play. And I thought, I just thought that this was such an interesting add-on and it's certainly unique. Nothing like that exists here in Arizona um, with this, this many different things all indoors. And it's really unique when you put it in conjunction with the arcade and the bowling and the cranes and all of their standard stuff that they have. So I think that they're trying something new. This is the fifth location that in the U S that has the Spocha component added to it. So it's definitely new. 
And there's plenty of room to do that in Glendale, Arizona. So, you know, that's, there's lots of land out there so they could build this thing. And I just thought, you know what, it, this is, um, you know, really quite bizarre, frankly. And, um, yeah, I guess we'll wait and see how the Spocha does. I think the name alone is pretty stupid unless they go ahead and uh, update that. But I also wanted to talk about their food and beverage offering. So here's my issue with that. So <laughs> one of my biggest complaints about Dave and Buster's is that they're basically just an arcade with some really shitty food. Well, round one actually does them one up. Uh, I've had their food. And it is frankly terrible. Um, the fact that they want people to spend their entire day there playing sports with each other, and then all they're going to do is serve people some shitty pizza and some shitty appetizers that have been heated up and probably some air fryer and some wings, like that's just not good enough, frankly, for wanting to keep people there all day long. You know, they have soft drinks. They don't even here at least even talk about like other non-caloric drinks. Like if I'm playing soccer all day long, like the last thing I want to go to do is like grab a nice cup of Dr. Pepper and wash down, you know, my sweat with that. So like, I just think that they really need to level up on their food and beverage. And I've heard this complaint across a number of different areas and, you know, it's just something that they need to improve on. All right. Last thing I want to talk about today is the full dome pro. So those of you who haven't heard of full dome pro, uh, they announced back in October their partnership in collaboration with Triotech and Red Rayon, and they created a new thing called the Full Dome Pro Super Reality Dome, um, Super Reality Stand Up Theater Dome, basically. So this is pretty freaking cool. Um, their full dome technology is incredible. So besides the fact that they partnered with Triotech, Triotech is a stand-up ride theater, uh, excuse me, stand-up ride vehicle, which I'm not totally sold on, frankly. I think a lot of Triotech, what they do is really good. I don't really know why I want to go and stand while I'm doing a motion theater versus sit. Uh, I feel like this just adds like a layer of like unnecessary novelty. But the, the full dome experience is pretty incredible. And they're cool because they come in all different sizes. They're pretty much quick pop-up. They can, the 360-degree uh, material, uh, like the content can be licensed for up to a year. And then you can easily swap it out with just a quick click of a button. So you can always be rotating your different attractions. And, um, you know, the rides typically last four to five minutes. And what's great about them is that they're actually done without any sort of VR goggles or 3D goggles. So they're just meant to be experienced in an immersive environment, fully immersed floor to ceiling to walls, 360 degrees. So it's a pretty cool thing. And I've got a little video here for us to see. And let me just switch over my Sharon tab and bring this up on the stage. And we'll just quickly watch this video. So one of the things I do like, though, about the Triotech ride vehicle is that it has some 4D elements to it. So it has wind, it'll blow in your face and fans. It has like little leg ticklers, splashing water on you. So it definitely gives you a better experience. But as you can see here, like, I feel like the state of theater just loses like, the immersion that Full Dome is doing is great. But you lose some of that. Like, why am I standing going through an ocean? They have a really cool one where I'm like riding on an magic carpet, which makes sense in the stand-up environment. But like they have this ocean experience and I should be sitting down or I should be laying down in some way like I'm swimming or 
something like that. So anyway, I feel like some of these experiences just are lost. Being tied to a standing theater because you can't really move them up and down and around the way you would really want to. All right, so that's the Full Dome Pro stand-up theater, and um, and actually that is about it for today. All right, LBXers, this is BW signing off. Stay tuned and keep kicking ass. <laughs>